You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. You're listening to episode number 13 in the Ultimate House Hacking Guide for Denver. In this episode, we go through a short checklist to help you transition from your current house hack to your next house hack. So we discuss personal finances, lending, timing, getting leases in place, and all those other just uh, little points you got to keep in mind as you transition from one property to the next. All right, here's recording of myself, Joe, and Jeff. Enjoy. All right. So as you guys know, at this point, Joe and Jeff, they're experts. Glad to have them here. And we're going to jump into here because going into the next property, there's quite a few moving parts. This will be a great discussion for all three of us. So I put together a checklist, and this is something I talk about with my clients quite frequently. It's in no particular order, but it's just things to keep in mind. So the very first thing I always recommend is before you make any move, whether it's to buy a new place, or not your current place, sell, refinance, or whatever, stop, take a breath, and review your strategy. And this is where you take a step back, review your current strategy that you have in place, assess the current property performance, your finances, the market, all that stuff, because it's always good to make sure you get that like 20,000 foot level view before you go back in the trenches and make that next tactical move. So it's always great to go out there and view the strategy. And this is really where it becomes important to have that long-term relationship with your team, you know, with me as your agent. Uh, Jeff to help you out with getting more renters in your place and transitioning things. Joe on the finance aspect. And so this is one of the really great things about a team. And one of the things I enjoy about uh, doing real estate is I really enjoy that long-term relationship building and helping people buy one, two, three, four, five properties to get them towards that retirement goal. And I know Jeff and Joe do as well, but always, 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 always review your strategy and talk with your team members, your partners about that as well. So a couple other things. The next thing to uh, think about is lending. So I put two bullet points down on here, and I'll let Joe uh, fill them in. But one is obvious. You got to make sure you have your down payment and acquisition costs saved. So if your next house tax would cost $400,000, well, that probably means you can't do another FHA loan. Or you know, you're going to have to do 5% down. And then how much are you going to have for acquisition costs? Are you planning on paying all the closing costs out of pocket? Or like in the previous modules, are you considering about raising the purchase price to wrap in the closing costs? Things to consider about it. Now, Joe, when it comes time to transition from one house act to the next, next house act, give us the rundown on what people need to know so they can make sure they can qualify for the next mortgage. Yeah, I mean, these three bullet points really hit it on the head. Number one, down payment. You know, this goes back to what we were speaking about uh, yesterday and a couple of days ago that, you know, you're house hacking and it only costs you $200 a month, let's say, to live in the property. But if you were renting a house, anywhere else, it would cost you $1,200 a month. Well, that $1,000 a month difference, you shouldn't be just spending that and just going out and partying. You need to save that $1,000 a month, put that bank back in your bank account, continue to save money from your job or your side hustle or whatever else it is you're doing, and build up that down payment. So you want to buy another $400,000 property, <clears throat> you're going to need to have that you know, 5% down, $20,000 for your down payment, plus your closing costs. Maybe that's going to be another you know, 5,000, 7,000, 8,000, depending on, on your options there. So you really want to have that 5,000 or that 5% plus your acquisition costs saved up, ready to go. And then you also want to look at, and you know, I'll help you with this. 
can you qualify for the new mortgage payment while continuing to make payments on the prior home? Or do we need to verify the lease income on your previous property? Um, so Jeff, you and I have done transactions where you're moving out of one home into the next one. The home you're vacating, I'm always going to look at your tax return. So I always ask Jeff for his tax return so I can see what type of rent he's been claiming. And then I'm going to ask to see the leases on that property that he's vacating so we can see how those leases line up. Are they one-year leases? Um, we're going to ask for a copy of a recent rent check to make sure the tenant's paying. And if that property that you're vacating is leased up and you're receiving income on it, we're going to give you credit for that rental income. Um, and you move forward just like a regular new purchase. And then the last one is occupancy rule. You really need to make sure that you've lived in that property for a minimum of 12 months. So you bought this house hack, you live there for three months, you're like, oh, this is great. I want to buy another one. Um, well, you're going to have to wait 12 months because you have to live in the property for 12 months before you can qualify for the next loan. Now, another point that's really important here, right now, interest rates are really good. So we have some house hackers that bought homes six months ago and they're calling and they're saying, hey, you know what, Joe? Rates have gone down half a point, three quarters of a point. I want to refinance and lower the monthly payment because I'm keeping this as a long-term rental after I vacate and buy my next property. Okay, that's great. We'll do a new primary residence loan for you, but that is going to reset your 12 months that you need to live there. So you do a new loan in, let's just say, April, and you've lived in the property since January. Well, you're not going to be able to get a new loan next year in January. You're going to have to wait until next year in April because you need to live in the property for a full 12 months per loan. Um, otherwise, you could do a new refinance as an investment property and then you can vacate the property at any time, but you're probably not going to have enough equity to do that because you haven't held the property very long. You don't have 25% equity in the property. So you really just want to make sure that you're taking the right steps, um, saving up your down payment, having leases and claiming that income on your tax returns, and then recognizing that 12-month time frame from when you moved in or when you got your most recent loan to when you want to get the next loan. And I mean, you you were spot on there, Joe. And this is a conversation that I have a lot with my clients, whether they're house hackers um, or just, you know, buying traditional la uh, landlord properties at 25% down. They'll say, hey, I'm looking to buy my next property. I was like, great. Have you talked to Joe? Have you talked to your lender yet? And usually I sound like a broken record. I'm like, hey, that's where you have to go because this new property, everything is going to impact it. Just like buying your first property, it's, you know, everything... Lending is so important. You need to make sure you have lending in place for that next property. And especially like, you know, if you I've had uh, if you're a house actor, like, hey, I'm thinking about buying a property next month or two, you should probably be talking to Joe a couple months before then. I don't think you can ever get ahead of the curve uh, far enough in terms of lending to make sure everything's lined up. I've bought properties. I talked to Joe like six months before, hey, look this over for me, tell me everything looks good, make sure I get my ducks in a row. Um, because it might be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I know you have income. But as Joe said, you're not reporting that correctly, or hey, we need this type of lease instead. Well, great. Now that gives you a month or two to go out there and get things structured the appropriate way. So you're not down the wire trying to make things happen, uh, you know, to get the things done to get the loan in place. So definitely talk to Joe ASAP. So Joe, if if someone wants to follow our poster child, uh, Jeff's plan of buying their house, their next house act on day, you know, 366, you know, one year. One year and one day since they buy the first property. What's a good rule of thumb for how soon they should be talking to you? Like before say, that next property? Two months, yeah. five months, six months? About two months. You know, about two months, assuming that everything is going really well, right? So again, I love picking on Jeff because he's here <laughs> and, and he does a great job. Um, his credit's always really good. 
right? So he doesn't need to call me six months in advance and say, okay, Joe, I need you to double check my credit to make sure everything is good. Now, when we bought his first house, he called me really far in advance. So we looked and, hey, everything was great shape. But now, you know, he manages his credit through, you know, his online credit monitoring and everything. And he's, he's really got a great handle on things. So he doesn't have to call me super early in advance because he's really got a, a system down, right? He's good at saving his down payment. He's good at maintaining his books for the properties he's renting and he's good at managing his credit. So about two months out is when we look at it and we say, okay, where are you at with your savings? Double check your credit. Yep. Everything's good. Here's your new pre-approval. However, He's been doing this for a while and he's done it several times. If this is your very first time, check in with us six months before you want to buy, four months before you want to buy, two months before you want to buy. Because if it is your first time, we want to make sure we're keeping you on a good uh, path towards success. And we do want to double check that things are moving properly You know, when you're halfway through that first year. So moving on to uh, kind of the next topic to keep in mind as you go from one house hack to the next house hack is your personal finances. So we just talked about saving up your down payment acquisition cost, which is a very important thing to do because that's what you need to do to buy the property. But then as we've mentioned a few times before, you need to have your operating accounts or your reserve funds. So this is where you need to have an honest conversation with your finances and yourself and say, hey, great, if I move, when I move out of this property, what's my reserve situation like for the house I'm vacating? And what's my reserve situation like for the house I'm buying? Uh, Because what you don't want to do, I don't care how good the deal is. If in month three, you run out of cash, doesn't matter. You're going to be in a bad spot. So you want to make sure that you're following your plan. We all shared our plans earlier, which was six months reserves for each property, if not a little bit more. Whatever your plan is, make sure you revisit that and make sure you have liquid reserves available uh, for your current house and the future house as well. Hey, Jeff, let me ask you a question real quick on this. Yep. You've been saving up your reserves. You've been saving up your down payment. Is there ever a time that you would dip into the reserves for property A um, to use as part of the down payment for property B? Not at this time, because I know like, I know the reality is when if I did something, I like, took that risk at this time, Something would happen in property A, like the furnace would go out, the water heater would go out, the tenant would put, you know, do some other damage. So then I have like a ten thousand dollar bill or what, you know, whatever. Um, and then I would be banging my head against the wall. I go, why? I would keep. I don't want. I, I get once I hit that six month or more reserve, I don't touch that money. I just leave it in there. And then any excess, then I could. Pl- that's like to play money to use for another property or um, for other investments. But yeah, I don't go below that. Just if I, even if there was a good deal, I don't like want to rush or make irrational decisions just because the good deals there. Because there'll be like you mentioned before, there's other good deals around the corner. Yep, perfect answer. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And I, that's where I see people take too much risk, right? Hey, I've got my six months reserves built up. I don't quite have enough for my down payment, um, but there's this good deal. I'm going to take half of my reserves and use as the down payment, and I'll build up my reserves later right? That works great right up until you have, let's be real, a COVID-19 crisis, right? And you've got some time that maybe you have some vacancy and all of a sudden your reserves have dwindled down and you're not prepared for an emergency because it is Murphy's law, right? As soon as you start spending your reserves, that's when something's going to break or that's when you're going to need that money. So your your answer is spot on, Jeff. I agree 100%. I'm nodding here in agreement as well. (laughs) Uh, So moving on to some other checklists and Jeff, this is definitely going to be, you know, something for you to talk about. 
but it's what's going to be your tenant situation. So the plan for your current house. So if you're like a lot of house hackers and never right now, you're living in house A, you got two or three roommates, and then you're going to move to house B. What are you doing with house A? Are you going to put a long-term tenant in there? Are you moving out and putting one more roommate in there? And then what's your plan for property B as far as bringing roommates in there if you're doing that? So Jeff, as you transition between your properties, what's your thought process and how do you handle this? Yeah. So my current property, my last property are both, um, you know, rent by the room strategy on the, the place I'm living at. So usually when I'm planning a purchase for the next, the new house, I plan it in a way where I want to maybe renew the leases of all the current tenants that are there right now, if like the lease is about to expire to have a little more stability. And then the play, the room that I'm departing um, starts, you know, doing showings for that to get it filled right at the point, um, get it filled, like, obviously get it filled um, when I'm under contract to the next property. So I don't have like, so I don't get kicked out of my own house. I don't want to do it too quickly. Um, so, you know, pretty much have it filled when I know like, okay, my closing's on X, you know, uh, June 30th, um, have some, a new tenant in there to replace me. Um, and then for the new place, do the same thing, uh, but in reverse, have used the pictures and use um, all the sources you can to try to get it filled before you even move in that house. That's uh, something I didn't really touch too much on yesterday, but uh, there's, you could still technically get interest on a property before you even move in. As long as you don't uh, post the address on any of those sites, you could just do cross streets. And this talked about it in general terms. And then once you close, then you could do the full advertisement. But that's what I kind of the strategies I use at the moment. Great. And then really, I mean, that's it. When I, I put down on the PowerPoint slides, guys, what did I forget? Hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think anything. Yeah, good. No, went through, through really well. Yeah. And so this is, like I said, this is not, you know, a huge check or anything. But there are a few key points here that you need to keep in mind. So, of course, if you guys need help with buying you know, your next house hack property or you need to bounce ideas around, hey, that's what we're here for. I help with the properties. Joe helps with the lending. Jeff helps with stabilizing and tenants, all that stuff. So we are here as your team. Reach out to us at denverinvestmentrealestate.com slash HHHelp. Joe, Jeff, thank you guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you have any questions or need clarification, shoot me an email. Or if you want to grab a physical book copy of The Ultimate House Hacking Guide, also send me an email. My email is chris at denverinvestmentrealestate.com. A couple other services that we offer, if you need help putting together your investment plan and buying your first or your next house hacking property, reach out to me. That's what we specialize in. If you need help with lending and financing, reach out to Joe Massey. That's his specialty. And if you need help in stabilizing and operating your house act property, reach out to Jeff White, as that's his specialty. Now, all their contact details are in the show notes. If you have trouble finding them or you just want to keep it simple, shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer all your questions and also connect you with Joe, Jeff, or whoever you need to talk to. All right. 
We'll see you next episode.